Hello and a hugely warm welcome back to Elite Business Live 2022. We are, we're really happy to be back in person here in London, but also uh, with literally thousands of people, I'm told now, streaming in from all sorts of different locations. Mind you, thanks in part to many of our partners and supporters, including Starling and the Department for International Trade and Vodafone and the British Business Bank and many other partners. So, so thank you if you've joined us on this journey. Um, I've hugely enjoyed it. Now, what, um, what I've been thinking about on digital transformation is what are the sorts of things that I should just be aware of in terms of our guests thinking, what should I be aware of? Virtual reality, uh, the metaverse. What should I be actually looking at other people doing for real examples? Go and have a look at what Disney's done, what that rock star's done. And what should I be having a go at? Experimenting with, dabbling myself. So just trying to make sense of all of that and trying to sort of cut through the buzzwords a bit. So that's what we're trying to do in this section. So we've talked about um, commercial growth. Uh, we've had a lot of TikTok here uh, this morning. I still haven't done my first, uh, well, actually, that's not true. I'll tell you a story later about that on TikTok. Um, but now we turn our thoughts to digital transformation. And uh, I'm very happy that we're going to be joined live by someone who is another leader themselves. They're the chief exec of Mootup, uh, which is uh, Danny Stefanik. Danny, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Mootup, I'm looking forward to hearing it from you, but I've heard that it's the first Metaverse virtual events platform. Have we got that straight? That's absolutely right, yes. Fantastic. So we're Googling frantically here, but it's Mootup, and we'll be paying full attention to you, but I'm assuming Mootup dot... Dot com, yes. Mootup dot com, okay. Com. They got it. Yeah, often exactly why people name their companies these days, isn't it? Because it was there, but it is a great name as well. Danny, where are you beaming in from? Uh, I'm beaming in from Spain at the moment. Uh, I wish I could be there in person, but uh, this will have to do. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's more than adequate. So, buenos dias and uh, bienvenido. Thank you very much, uh, Danny Stefanik. Uh, over to you. We're very much looking forward to hearing what you have to say. We'll give you a, a warm round of applause here uh, from London to Spain. Thank you. As I said, it would be a pleasure to be there in person, but uh, we're seeing more and more virtual happening. Uh, so I'm Danny Stefanik, and as Oli mentioned, uh, I am actually um, running a business called Mootup, which is for virtual events. But I have a, a quite a seasoned history in the XR and metaverse industry, um, having started the Virtual Reality Association back in 1994. So I've been uh, doing this for a few decades and uh, have quite a um, history of building world firsts, uh, such as the first 3D e-commerce solution, the first 360 commercial virtual tour viewer for the internet, and the first metaverse back in 2000. And since then, I've been running virtual uh, consumer-based virtual worlds and games with virtual goods and land sales. And over the last seven years, uh, actually running a, building a 3D web platform that's been used by Global 1000 and, and Fortune 500 companies as kind of their own internal metaverse, if you like. Uh, so that, that's one uh, business built on top of the engine called LearnBright for learning and training and Moodup for events and meetings. Uh, so there's a lot of history there. Um, hopefully that gives you some context about uh, where I'm coming from. But 
what I wanted to talk to you today about is the metaverse. And we'll be also touching on some elements of XR, which leads into the panel after this as well. And what I wanted to share with you today are three simple steps that you can take to move your organization into the metaverse and also to start generating a return on it pretty much immediately. Uh, and also to highlight how you can become a category leader if, if you act smartly. So there's some really big opportunities uh, in this space. Now, the, the term metaverse, uh, it's kind of being discussed under three different banners at the moment. Uh, one is in the games and entertainment space. So we see games like Fortnite, Sandbox, Roblox. These are audiences uh, generally trending younger that are playing in these games. And it's a place where you can take uh, sort of an opportunity to pr promote to the market, do marketing. You might be selling you know, sneakers or soda or something else into these marketplaces and you can get exposure in them. That, that's one aspect of what the metaverse is getting a lot of coverage in the media. Number two is uh, kind of blockchains, NFTs, probably people are hearing a lot about that, and DAOs. Um, these are you know, places where people are selling virtual goods. It's registered on the blockchain. There's also lots of virtual land sales going on, a bit of a, a land rush that's happening. And, and the third one, which is the one that I'm most interested in and the one that I'll be expanding on today is, is the metaverse for business. Uh, and this is something, as I said, we've been running for many years and people are getting real return on. So it's not something that's far out in the future. This is actually something that's ready today and you can start uh, you know, making it a part of your business and even uh, generating revenue from it. So ultimately, all three of those are on a convergence course over the coming years. Uh, that is the, the games and entertainment, the blockchain and the metaverse for business. And ultimately, it's going to redefine what the web is. Now, some are calling that web three, some are calling it web 3.0, uh, but it certainly is an evolution of uh, the internet. And uh, uh, you know, the, giving a definition, a true definition of what the metaverse is, uh, many people have different opinions. Uh, mine has kind of uh, evolved over many years, but uh, a colleague said it really well, Tom May from Creative Block. Uh, he said, while the current web is largely based on text, images, and video, uh, the next phase of the web uh, is expected to be primarily based on 3D virtual spaces linked together in a perceived virtual universe. Uh, in other words, interacting in the metaverse will feel much more like uh, the real world and immediate than it does today using uh, the traditional internet. So we're really talking about a paradigm shift, uh, a paradigm shift into participation as opposed to just uh, consuming information or being lectured to. So this, this shift of uh, participation of users and having them visible is, is really you know, something quite exciting. And another colleague of mine, a veteran of the industry, uh, Tony Parisi, uh, actually wrote down six rules of the metaverse, which I think are really, really helpful to go through. Uh, the first rule that he defined was that there's only one metaverse. So just like there's only one internet, we don't say, you know, I have my own internet, you have your own internet, uh, we, there is one internet. And same goes for the metaverse. Although the metaverse itself will be a universe of worlds. And so just like we have websites, each person has their organization has their own website, so too will people have their own virtual worlds. Now, a lot of these are being labeled as metaverses. We have uh, you know, over a thousand different clients who are running their own virtual world uh, inside their organization. Some are running outside their organization uh, for external people to come in as well. 
and, and generally, as a, a marketing term, they do like to call their virtual world a metaverse. So, you know, corporate name, uh, metaverse, and uh, that, that seems to uh, be quite exciting for, for a lot of companies. Now, one thing we're seeing in the games and entertainment metaverse is that uh, there are a lot of companies popping up that are selling virtual land. And the idea is that if you go in and buy land near the center, it will become more valuable. And people trade the land and they buy and sell it. Uh, but this model for um, geography is, is a little bit, uh, it's, it's artificial scarcity. It's created in order to generate value, but there's no real value in it. In fact, usually the last person standing holding the, um, the property is the one that loses unless the, the, that virtual world just has such an immense amount of traffic uh, that you can generate revenue through advertising or generating leads into your business. Um, and, you know, I don't disagree with this model. We actually run virtual worlds where we do sell virtual land and we sell virtual goods such as clothing and furniture and people pay us rent every month uh, for, for their um, properties. And then it works fine in a game context. But in the greater context of what the metaverse will be as a evolution of the internet, really uh, that model uh, is not going to fly on a global scale. Uh, meta each person can run their own metaverse just like they run their own website. And in that, they can start to decide the business models they use and also the access they have. So instead of having a flat geo uh, geography where you buy land next to another um, company or organization, instead, it'll be a lot like how we use the internet today. We put links on our websites from to relationships we have or other sites that we want to connect to. So it's not, it's not a flat surface. It's going to be a hyper-dimensional uh, collection of worlds linked to each other. And, and that sort of leads to another, the second point, which is that the, the metaverse is really not owned uh, by one person or one company. There are a few companies out there creating solutions and they want to um, you know, certainly become category leaders uh, and, and try and hold a position in the metaverse. But ultimately, everyone is going to be able to run their own uh, virtual world, just like you do your own website. And uh, that's already you know, in play with uh, technology standards like WebXR, uh, which allow us to build things uh, in the internet that provide these sorts of capabilities. And rule number three is that the metaverse is open and for everyone. And this is really important. Uh, at the moment, there's a lot of uh, people tend to think that you might just need um, special equipment or uh, you need to have a lot of money to get started. And that's not, that's not the case. We already have open standards and we have a lot of uh, standards based on top of uh, traditional web standards that enable access. And even ourselves in, in our business, we've been able to connect people on low bandwidth connections uh, anywhere around the world. Uh, and it's, it's something that is really, um, there are no barriers to entry uh, and that's very important. And that leads to number four, which is the metaverse is device independent. And this is critical. A lot of people think you need a virtual reality headset to jump into the metaverse, uh, but it's not, not the case. It really, the, the real pivot for the metaverse or the real pivot of this participatory uh, experience is that you can join which, with whichever device you have, mobile phones, tablets, laptops, Chromebooks, and any VR and AR headset should be supported. Uh, and if it's not, it's really not a metaverse solution. If it's VR only, uh, I call this the VR chasm, actually. The VR chasm is uh, a lot of companies 
got caught up in the hype of VR and went over and built virtual reality applications just for VR. And uh, unless you've got enough audience or traction, uh, essentially you end up on the side of the chasm where there's a lot of barriers before people can get to try out what you're providing. And it's much better to provide a kind of on-ramp, a soft on-ramp where any device can be used or VR. And the, the key really here is a, a person being involved in the experience, having the ability to uh, make and influence the environment they're in. And that, that is the key more so than the level of immersion. Of course, with a VR headset, you, you get some really great benefits. Uh, but I'd say, you know, 80% of the, the value is in the paradigm shift to, you know, direct participation and the co-inhabitants of the virtual world where you can see and interact with other people. And maybe another, you know, 10, 15% is the use of VR for immersion. But what you get with VR for immersion is everything is, instead of looking at on a flat screen, you have uh, essentially everything life-size and real around you. Uh, and that scale and that sense of being there creates much stronger ties uh, in memory uh, and also super important in things like training for skill develop, you know, skill development. Uh, but still, uh, the, the, you should be able to use any device to connect and this is important for getting a return on investment for organizations. But one thing that's really great about VR headsets is the exclusion of everything else. It's easy to get distracted uh, when you're on a flat screen, when you've got browser tabs open, you've got your phone beside you. When you put on that virtual reality headset, you, you're basically just in that experience and not being distracted by anything else. So when it comes to, for example, learning outcomes, it really makes a big difference. And it really reinforces those experiences as something real that you retain as memories. Uh, so, and point number five, all users will have agency. They can impact the metaverse. That is, people can come in and they can start to influence, change, make contributions, uh, move things around, uh, you know, create spaces and, and really have an impact on how this thing evolves. Uh, this is heavily dependent on use of open standards and uh, content being reusable uh, across different areas. That can be 3D models, it can be bringing in 2D web content, PowerPoint presentations, um, anything you like. Uh, it can even be digital twins, scans of real world environments being used as the environment that you're having your event or meeting in. So really, uh, you know, this, this sums up rule number six is the metaverse is the next evolution of the internet. Uh, so it's nothing that's so far out that you think it's going to be a few years before it becomes commonplace. Uh, it really is something that's available today and can be built on top of what you're already using. Now I mentioned I'm very focused on the, the metaverse for business. Uh, and for me, that, that area has had real traction. As I said, we've been working in uh, HR and learning and development for the last seven years and the last three for virtual events and meetings uh, using these technologies. And, and those are some of the, the biggest areas to get traction. Meetings, uh, you know, being able to feel present uh, with each other, do workshops, escape rooms, work with uh, video technology. So most of the, the uh, platforms also support you coming in as video having whiteboards, et cetera, to, to do sessions on and capture all that, but at the same time, feeling co-present, feeling like you're there, which is in this new, new age of remote work is really quite valuable. Uh, essentially, people are now in organizations that are far more widely distributed and the sense of uh, being you know, 
remote is is more and more there and what what i like to call it is unremote working so you're still using all these technologies to remotely work but bringing people together and feeling like they're part of the same experience and another great use case uh, for these types of platforms is virtual events now we've got an event here and there's an audience out there uh, the the problem with most of the online event platforms like let's say a, a zoom conference is the audience is almost invisible. Maybe you've got a few thumbnails of people and you've got a chat on the right-hand side, but essentially it's great for the presenters, but the audience remains almost invisible. With the metaverse, you end up with all these people being present with their avatars, being able to network, communicate, use video features, and suddenly it's a lot more, more like a live event. You've got people milling around, you've got what, what one of my colleagues uh, affectionately calls the hallway track. Uh, when you're not doing the sessions where somebody's speaking, you're in the hallway talking to somebody else, and they're just as valuable, those uh, serendipitous meetings and experiences. And most of us take those memories away from us when we go, uh, when we go to events. We, we take away those memories of meeting people, uh, you know, serendipitous engagements, and that aspect can now come into play with these virtual events. You know, whether that's an all hands meeting or whether that's a careers fair or whether it's you know, um, a product launch, all of those things can be done now where the audience is there and visible and they can interact with each other and with the speakers. And the other area which is really valuable and has been providing a terrific uh, return on investment for many organizations is training. Now you might be thinking about VR training, you know, maybe learning to operate a crane or things like that, but it goes much, much, much further and wider. Uh, again, you can do it on any screen and in VR, but the real, the real change there is traditionally training is kind of lecture-based. Here, watch a video or uh, work through this slideshow and answer a multiple choice quiz at the end. And that's very linear and it's, uh, you know, it's sit back and uh, kind of consume. I call it lean back learning. And what we've moved to now is lean forward learning, where people are participating and engaging uh, at, at you know, very small times all the way through the training, making decisions that change the outcome. That could be for safety training, uh, but in a lot of our uh, sort of training experiences, we have people learning soft skills, either in groups or live training or with AI chatbots. So you go into a room with a virtual patient and go through diagnosis and make decisions, or you could go through uh, with a virtual customer and learn sales training experiences all within this environment where everything's being tracked and you can assess how well the person's doing uh, almost automatically. So really great tools that can apply to a business. So that kind of leads me to, to what I highlighted before, which is what, what the metaverse business metaverse for business is, but also the three steps that can really get you into that right away. So uh, the, the three steps are quite simple. Uh, number one, you need to get a virtual world of some kind. So get a metaverse platform. There's a lot out there uh, that you can choose from. And the first step you wanna do is brand and configure it for your organization. So it's setting up the world, the spaces, the rooms, uh, putting your corporate uh, stamp on it and design. And once you've done that, uh, and uh, that's all up and running, the second part is getting a return on investment for that. And generally, the organizations that are using our platform, for example, they use it for internal meetings, uh, internal events, like all hands uh, meetings, and for training. So using the platform internally can save you, save you costs, you can get um, you know, uh, productivity increases, and essentially it can pay for itself uh, very, very quickly. 
And after an organization's used to using the platform themselves internally, that's where it gets really exciting in the third step, which is you can now take that technology and apply it to your own products and services. And the, the very interesting thing is we're almost at the, the beginning of the internet, if you like. There was all this opportunity for people to become major players in the industry. Remember, Amazon was initially a bookselling company online and, and they evolved into something much larger. We're at that very stage now with the metaverse for business. Each sector is available. There are many vertical markets waiting for new category leaders to emerge. So if you get involved now, you can start to sort out where the opportunities are for you to enable, metaverse enable part of your products or services. Uh, that might be bringing people into your virtual showroom. It might be uh, we have clients that are integrating it into their virtual event platforms or integrating into tools like Microsoft SharePoint or their CRM for meetings. There are different areas. And this, this new landscape of opportunities for category leaders to emerge uh, is really exciting. Uh, the real question is, you know, will your organization be one of them? And you know, I really do hope that uh, you know, from the things that I've discussed here today, that you'll go and have a bit of an explore of what the metaverse is for you. If you can set up your own metaverse kind of proof of concept or sandbox to start playing in uh, and invite you know, internal people from your organization and start to explore what it's like, uh, I think that would be a super, uh, super, interesting path to take. It doesn't need to be a huge commitment, but it's certainly something as part of digital transformation you should be exploring because it is, is really going to change in the not too distant future. And one of the things that's probably going to impact that, and this is a prediction of the future, is we've been seeing a lot about virtual reality, but coming in, in the not too distant future is augmented reality glasses. Uh, I call this the race to the face. Uh, so there are a number of organizations working on glasses-based um, display devices, and they essentially will become the next uh, display revolution from a mobile phone. So uh, definitely you'll want to keep an eye on that, and, uh, but any content you're building for the metaverse will apply to those glasses-based interfaces as well. So definitely uh, you know, keep that in mind. You want to get in now uh, before, before the uh, category leadership opportunities disappear. Well, Danny, that was a very interesting note in which uh, to wrap that up. But we thank you very much indeed, Danny uh, Stefanik, for that brilliant talk, actually. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. By the way, Danny, on the race to the face, um, in terms of history repeating itself, we were told some very exciting things about racing to faces, weren't we? Until Google Glass fell into a ditch labelled creepiness. How is it going to be different this time? Yeah, I think that's interesting. The Google Glass was more of a displaying information uh, instead of actually being aware of the world around it. So that, that's something that the VR devices are now very capable of. They can see the world around them and make uh, that more usable. Yeah. Uh, Google Glass was really just providing information. Um, Google Glass, by the way, even though it, it didn't uh, take off as a consumer device, it's still uh, working as an enterprise device. Yes, uh, it so is. There is Google uh, Glass and especially, too. you're right, Danny, and, and forgive me, especially in health tech as well. If you look at the work of uh, Professor Shafi Ahmed, is a brilliant example, one of uh, the world's leading cancer surgeons. What examples from Mootup have really 
um, made you happy and inspired that I'm happy this is happening in our platform? Do you just help paint a picture for our guests uh, here and online, Danny? Sure, I, I, I can talk about a couple of events. One of the, the events that sticks to my mind was uh, Asahi, the, um, the beverage company, Asahi um, Japanese beer. They were launching a uh, new drink in the Philippines. It was a cultured milk drink, non-alcoholic. And uh, I got invited to attend their virtual event uh, in our platform. And they decorated up with you know, Asian-style villages. I could talk to different chatbots that spoke in different languages. And um, that event was a media-only event. It was a product launch. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, sent out not only samples of the drink that you could drink at a certain time at the event, uh, but also um, these cardboard virtual reality headsets so you could try it nice. out as immersive as well. But the really great thing was there were two of the Philippines' top bands playing live in the, into the experience. So all our avatars were dancing around and uh, you know, everyone had a great time. And then there was a press conference with the CEO in another space within nice. that, that world they created. Just gives no, it I one know. example of... No, it, it, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cool imaginative example. Now, um, final question. I hope I can tempt you to stay for the panel as well, Danny. Um, your advice you. to our guests was around, don't let me um, put words in your mouth, but getting their own metaverse world. Is that how you would put it? Yeah, it's really getting your own virtual world, but the right. brands, organizations love to call it their own metaverse. So that's really trending. Uh, you know, it's almost unstoppable. I think every right. organization will call their virtual world their metaverse. Yeah, um, and my... my right. And, 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 and forgive me, when, when I put a contrary point, it's only to channel what others might be thinking, which is... Doesn't that misunderstand all of the rules that you've been talking about? Because my conclusion from the seven rules was that if there was one rule to rule them all, it was that the metaverse is simply and nothing more and nothing less than the next evolution of the internet. So we shouldn't be creating new planets, we should be creating new rockets. And that is a totally different way of approaching the metaverse because the first leads us to being everywhere and the second leads us to being somewhere. I think the answer lies in interoperability and open standards. So uh, whatever the term is, is kind of irrelevant. It's the fact that these worlds will end up interconnecting and that will make this a giant web-based uh, universe of worlds, so, whether they're called metaverses or worlds. It's that interoperability that will really be the key. Right, so I'm not going to have a marketing director of a soft drinks firm in five years going, right, cross, because we spent all this money developing our own metaverse because Danny and others told us to, and it was tumbleweed and no one was there, and we should have just got a backpack. Yeah, well, you're still responsible for your own leads and traffic. Just building a world is not going to bring people to you. If you want to do that, go to one of the game-based worlds where the audience already is. Right. Um, ah. But I can give you an example. One uh, alcohol-based company we're working with, they have to have their own virtual world because they can't market that in games. Right. So they, just like they have their own website, they need to have their own world. So should a beer brand have its own bar? Yeah, well, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, well, we'll explore why most of them don't. Uh, maybe in the next bit of our conversation. Of course, Brewdog does, doesn't it? Uh, that is another matter. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. Can we have a round of applause for Danny Tavani again? Stay with us, stay with us, stay tuned.